Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to Spooky. I'm Talking Waffles. I'm your host, Ileana. I remembered to do that this time. Last year, I did that for all of these Halloween episodes, but the last two for this year, I didn't. And then I was listening back and I'm like, wait, I didn't do the Spooky. So the Spooky is back for this episode and next episode for the Halloween themed episodes. So as you can tell by the title, today we are going to be talking about some history, which is one of my favorite things ever and it's also tied into obviously Halloween which is another one of my favorite things so we are going to be covering the history of Halloween some of the lore behind it like what soul cakes are the origin of like ghosts and like black cats on Halloween as well as much much more so without further ado let's jump right into this week's episode So shout out to history.com for giving me this great insight into Halloween. All right, so it is time to start off with the ancient origins of Halloween. So Halloween originally dates back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which was basically 2000 years ago, the Celts who lived mostly like in Ireland, United Kingdom, France and stuff, they actually celebrated their like their new year on November 1st. Because this day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of like the dark, cold, wintry time of year, it was also associated with like human death. And so the Celts believed that the night before the new year, the boundary or the veil between the two worlds, like the living and the dead, became blurred. So that's actually why they celebrated Halloween or Samhain on October 31st because it was believed that that's when the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. In addition to causing trouble and damage in crops, the Celts thought that the presence of these otherworldly spirits made it easier for druids or other Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. So these people who were basically really dependent on like a volatile like natural world, the prophecies they had were very pretty much very important at this time of year to kind of give them comfort during the long dark winter. And so to commemorate this event, the Druids built these like huge sacred bonfires where people would gather around, they would burn crops and animals as sacrifices to their like Celtic deities. And during the celebration, the Celts would wear costumes, typically consisted of like animal heads and like skins and stuff, and they would attempt to read each other's fortunes. And so once the celebration was over, they basically relit the fires of their homes, um, which they've extinguished like earlier on in the evening. And then they believed that would help them basically during the coming winter. However, by 43 BCE, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of the Celtic territory. So in the course of about 400 years, they ruled the Celtic lands. And so two festivals of the war, like the Roman origin, were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. So the first one was Forelia, which was a day in late October where the Romans traditionally um, commemorated like the passing of their dead. And the second day was to honor Pomarna. I apologize if I said that name incorrectly, but this was basically a Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And so the the symbol of Pomarna, Pomarna is the apple. And so the incorporation of this in celebration into Halloween, which is known as Samhain, um, probably explains like the tradition of like where the bobbin for apples came from in modern Halloween times. So I thought that was really fascinating. And so now it is May 13th, 609 BCE. Pope Boniface, I think that's 
five? The fifth? I apologize. I haven't touched Roman numerals since I was like, I don't know, six or something. So I'm pretty sure the IV is a five. And I know I could just Google it, but I don't want to Google it. So we're just going to say that's the five. Basically, this was dedicated to the Pathonian in Rome in the honor of all Christian martyrs. And the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Now we're talking about All Saints Day right now. Um, just in case I did not mention that. So Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs and moved the observation from May 13th to November 1st. And if you remember, the new year for the Celts was originally November 1st. And so by the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into the Celtic lands where it gradually kind of started to blend into these kind of Celtic rituals and other stuff that they would do. So in 1000 BCE, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, which was a day to honor the dead. And it's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic festival of the dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. And honestly, I believe that very much so. And All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain with big bonfires, parades, dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. And then the All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallows Mass from the Middle English word. Um, uh, why do I always have to do these hard words? All Hallow Messy, meaning All Saints Day. And the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain, aka Halloween, in the Calcan region began to be called All Hallows Eve and eventually Halloween. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid kind of belief systems there. And so Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the Southern colonies. So as the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians like meshed together, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebration included play parties, which were public events basically celebrated like the harvest, neighbors would share stories of the dead, they would tell each other's fortunes, they would dance, they would sin, all of that fun stuff. And so colonial Halloween festivals also featured the telling of like ghost stories, mischief making of all kinds, and by the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivals were also common. But Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. And if you're interested about the mischief making of all kinds, you could search up like I believe it was called Mischief Night or Night of Mischief. And it was like a day that wasn't on Halloween. It was like the day before or the day after or something along those lines where people would like take doors off hinges. They would tomato and egg people's houses and just call cause a bunch of mayhem. I read about that uh, earlier this year, but I can't quite remember the exact. And it's not in this script that I'm reading. So yeah, search it up if you're really interested because I thought it was really cool. So now we're in the second half of the 19th century and the Americans are flooded with new immigrants. So these new immigrants, especially millions of Irish who are fleeing from the Irish potato famine, actually helped popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. And now you're probably wondering like, well, trick-or-treating, like where does trick-or-treating come from, right? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about now. So born from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Young women at this time believed that on Halloween they could basically figure out the name or the appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple parents, or even just like looking into mirrors. 
And in the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and like witchcraft. And so at the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. And so these parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. So parents were encouraged by the newspapers and their community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of their Halloween celebrations. And because of these efforts, Halloween actually lost a lot of its superstitions and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. And so now that Halloween parties are all the rage, by the 1920s and 1930s, Halloween had become a community-centered holiday with parades and town-wide Halloween parties, um, as well as like entertainment. So despite the best effort of many schools and communities, vandalism became to plague a lot of the celebrations in many communities during the time. By the 1950s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism and Halloween had turned more into a holiday directed mainly at the young. And so due to like the high numbers of young children during the 50s, like the 50s baby boom, parties moved to town centers into classrooms or homes where they could be a little bit easier maintained, like they could be maintained easier. And so between 1920 and 1950, the century old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived. So trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for like an entire community to share the Halloween celebration. So in theory, families could also prevent tricks from being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with like delicious little treats. Now let's talk a little bit more about All Souls Day and the origin of soul cakes, because this is like one of the most fascinating parts of Halloween to me. And so basically, the American Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to All Souls Day parades in England. So during the festivities, poor citizens, as I mentioned earlier, they would go door to door begging for money and food, and families would give them these things called soul cakes, which was basically a promise to pray for the family's dead relatives. The giving of soul cakes was actually encouraged by the church as a way to replace the ancient practice of leaving food and wine for Roman spirits. And so the practice, which was referred to as going a solen, <laughs> with me dropping my ing's, that probably sounds really ridiculous. Um, but like going a solen, like going, like you're going somewhere, and then like soul, like somebody has a soul, but it's like a solen. So going a solen. Um, and so this is basically taken up by children who would visit the house in their neighborhood and be given ale, food, and money. And the tradition of dressing up in costumes for Halloween has both European and Celtic roots. So hundreds of years ago, winter was a very uncertain and frightening time. So food supplies, they often ran low and many people were afraid of the dark, shorter days of winter. And it just caused them a lot of anxiety. And honestly, that's probably why people get like the winter blues and stuff during the winter. Like it's just built into our systems to like hate winter. <laughs> On Halloween, when it was believed that ghosts came back to the earthly world, people thought they would encounter these ghosts if they left their homes. So in order to not be recognized by these ghosts, people were wearing masks when they left their home after dark so that the ghosts would basically mistake them for fellow spirits so they could really just blend in. And another thing that people would do to keep ghosts away from their home is that they would place bowls of food outside of their home to basically appease the ghosts and preventing them from attempting to enter. And as I promised at the beginning of this episode, we're also going to talk about black cats and ghosts on Halloween. 
So Halloween is a holiday filled with mystery, magic, superstition, all of that intriguing, rich history that I'm obsessed with. So as you're now aware, or you already knew, but I mentioned before that this was the Celtic kind of end of summer festival during where people felt like they were really close to their deceased relatives due to like the veil being thin and all of that. So for the friendly spirits, they actually set places at the dinner table and they would leave treats on the doorsteps and along the side of the road and like candles to really help their loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. So despite it being like really nice before, like people would think of ghosts, like those are like, oh, these are like some nice ghosts. But today's Halloween ghosts are often depicted more as like fearsome and malevolent, malevolent. And so our customs and superstitions are scarier as well. So people avoid crossing paths with a black cat because they're afraid it's going to give them bad luck. And that actually has roots from the Middle Ages when people believe that witches avoid detection by turning themselves into black cats. We also try not to walk under ladders for the exact same reasons. And so this superstition may have come from the ancient Egyptians who believed that triangles were sacred. But I mean, it also may be that people didn't want people walking under ladders because it's really dangerous. That was a ladder safety 101 that I learned when I was a kid. Um, and another another kind of superstition that's more common around Halloween time is that people avoid breaking mirrors, stepping on cracks in the road, or spilling salt. And moreover, Halloween was also like really, really focused on getting romantic advice and trying to find out who your future lover was. And so I don't really see that that much anymore, like with Halloween, but like a really long time ago, and this is something that I read a long time ago as well, so this is not in our script. But yeah, it was really focused on romance and finding out like who your husband's gonna be, what your husband's name is, like what they're gonna look like, like are you gonna get married, like all that. And there are so many apples involved and I just think that it's so fascinating. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I love talking about history. I feel like you can hear the passion in my voice for it. I just think that it's so, so cool. So yeah, so yeah. With that, we're now going to jump to everybody's favorite part of the show. That's right. It's the fun fact of the day. So today's fun fact is, dun-da-da, more people are buying costumes for their pets than for actual people. Americans spend nearly $500 million on costumes for their pets as of 2021, which is more than double what they spent in 2010. The pet costume market knows what's up. So with that, I'm going to bid you a great rest of your morning. A great rest of your evening, a great rest of your night, a great rest of your apocalypse, and a great rest of your Halloween spooky season history endeavors. I hope you had a great time. I really love talking about the history with you, and I will see you next Monday.